Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, fellow explorers, to Awareness Explorers. Good to have you. I am your co-host, Jonathan Robinson, and I'm with my friend and co-host. Brian Tom O'Connor. And today's subject is wide open humility. We're pretty confident we're going to nail this subject, right, Brian? <laughs> it's in all humility, I think so. Yes. Anyways, when you hear about the topic of, or the, the name, wide open humility and the subject of humility, what shows up for you first? Well, the reason we wanted to talk about this is I was fascinated by the idea of humility and how little we are actually humble when we think we are. In other words, the idea of radical humility, I mean, going all the way with humility, completely no holds barred humility. And, and, and we're not talking about humility because it's good or virtuous or something you ought to do or should do or a way you should be or because somehow you're unworthy but for the simple reason that humility is a way to soften the identification with the individual self and help us to realize our true nature as pure awareness. You know, it's certainly something that is considered an important part of almost every spiritual tradition and for different reasons. But when I think of humility, I think of maybe somebody like St. Francis, or a modern-day humble person, I think of Byron Katie, who has a very good system for creating a don't-know mind, meaning that she doesn't necessarily attribute a story to the things that happened to her. You know, like I read once when she got cancer, when she was told that she had cancer, she didn't feel like, well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It might turn out great, might turn out poorly, it might help people, might not. That sense of not knowing what really anything means and not creating elaborate stories and dramas about this current experience is a way of tapping into humility and one that definitely helps you to be present and not get so trapped in the ego and the stories that the ego creates about the future. Yes, I think don't know mind is a wonderful concept that we that we uh, borrow from Buddhism. Another Buddhist term that they use is beginner's mind, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very similar idea. What if what if you don't have an idea of how things really are? What if you don't yet, if you haven't yet formed your opinions, your concepts, um, what I like to think of as your position? Because when you have no set position, you have not necessarily a set identity and you're sort of free floating. And then 
you don't have that sort of rigidity that that nails down your identity as this body mind personality but you can sort of step into the center free choiceless awareness identity yeah that's the that's the goal and there are so many obstacles to humility nowadays we don't live in a culture that uh emphasizes it rewards it really even talks about it so it's important to look at why this is such an important ingredient to awakening why it's really an important ingredient to being a good human being and all the ways that we keep ourselves from it i mean you know jesus said in the bible something about you won't find the kingdom of heaven unless you enter it as a child and i think I don't know my Bible quotes very good, but you get the idea. And I don't think that he meant, you know, being immature. I think he meant as being open, like a, a baby that doesn't have so many concepts and so many opinions that would keep them from just being relaxed now in the moment. Yes, that's the same as beginner's mind. That that quote from Jesus that you mentioned, uh, I think it's... Uh, I think they're they're pointing to the same thing. Yeah. You know, a funny story. I was reading uh, the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, and you might know that he, early in his life, came up with, I think, 13 virtues that he wanted to uh, establish and to nurture throughout his life, things like temperance and patience and other things. And one of them was humility. And towards the end of his life, he said that that was the hardest one to develop because as he was developing it, he would feel pride for it. And that was the enemy of humility. So the more <laughs> he tried to do it, the worse he became at it. So it's a tricky thing to really be humble, you know, because you can't be an expert person in humility, that would be an oxymoron. And uh, so you have to kind of go about finding humility, experiencing humility, uh, experiencing beginner's mind in a somewhat indirect way. And we'll talk about some different ways of doing that. Uh, this last weekend, I took a workshop and I've taken a lot of workshops, psychological, spiritual workshops. And the thing I was struggling with the whole time was how not to think of myself as an expert workshop taker or even workshop giver, because I give workshops, you know, and, and the nicest compliment I got from the leader of the workshop was, wow, I know your background a little bit. And you seemed like you were really taking this stuff anew and fresh, even though I'm sure you were aware of a lot of our processes. And, and I really did take that in because it was I was fighting myself the whole workshop not to think, Oh, yeah, I know this one. I know that one, because that ruins the experience. That's right. And that's so interesting um, that you can you can go in even with something that you think you know about. In fact, I, I, I love like, let's say I have a particular author or writer or spiritual teacher. And um, and and then I listen to or read something they write where they go back to the very beginning, the very basics. I love that. I love hearing about the basics, even though I've heard it a hundred times. I love sort of approaching it as if I'd never heard it before. But 
the thing about being good at something is I don't think humility means the opposite, meaning imagining that you're not good at something. That's just uh, sort of like a flip side of the same coin. I'm thinking exactly. that, you know, oh, I'm so unworthy. I think that's an entirely unnecessary. But perhaps thinking that you are a vessel or an instrument through which this excellent work is coming uh, like the, a great analogy is the musical instrument. Mm -hmm. It can be a fine Stradivarius or a beautiful flute with, with wonderful craftsmanship and a beautiful tone, but you're not the musician. The musician comes from the universe through you, the instrument. And, and realizing that, that's a path to humility. And those moments where that happens feel wonderful. You know, they feel better than ego gratification because to feel like you were a vessel for some higher energy, there's something very sacred about that experience. And there's unfortunately a lot of things that keep us from that experience, uh, all having to do with ego things like our tendency to create stories like we know what's going on. We're always creating stories like we know what's going on. Uh, and that was useful for survival, you know, predicting the future or our explanations of things. Even scientific explanations are a sense like, yeah, we kind of know what's happening here. When really, when you get right down to it, we don't. You know, yeah. I once talked to the world's expert on photosynthesis. I asked him, so do you feel like you know a lot about photosynthesis? And he said, well, I've written 22,000 pages about it. And I'm just starting barely to get to the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> That's great. It also reminds me of something, you know, my father, we would always ask him questions and he would always have the answers. And it seemed like he knew everything. And as I got older, I came to the realization that if we would ask him a question and he didn't know the answer, he wouldn't say, I don't know. He would make it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> because he couldn't be, he didn't feel comfortable being in a position of not knowing something, of not being the expert. And, and um, maybe that's something that it might be good to start feeling comfortable with. Yeah, I think it's a it's a wide open humility when you can let go of thinking you need to know. I mentioned this last episode that I don't know how my toaster works, but that doesn't keep me from using it. And really, there's nothing that we really, really know. You know, we don't even know how quantum physics works or any of that stuff. So when it comes to our explanations of science or our religious explanations or our assumptions or beliefs about anything, when we really dive deep, we would have to admit that, yeah, that's more something somebody told me, or that's just keeping me from the experience of feeling small and humble. Right. And it's not just the idea that we know something. I mean, if we, you know, one step of to radical humility is letting go of the idea that we know anything. Mm -hmm. But a further step is letting go of the need to be right about anything. And mm -hmm. that's, that's challenging. You're right about that. <laughs> you know, I think in, in this world where uh, 
everybody's polarized and kind of arguing about what they know, which is a really big beefsteak to the ego, you know, arguing about politics or what's best with vaccines or what's best with anything. It gets the ego stirred up and it is not aligned with reality because everything is so incredibly complex and beyond our mind's comprehension that to claim like we actually know something is really taking us away from being aligned with reality. That, that's right. It, it really is. And I loved your expression, uh, beefsteak to the ego, because that's what, that's what knowing and being right does, is it, is it feeds that ego. It feeds the thought-based identity. Yeah. And that's what that identity is made of. It's made of our positions, our opinions, our descriptions of ourselves and the world. And it's all thought. And none of it is really true. As we start to let go of that and feel more comfortable with this feeling of humility, it softens our identification with the separate self. And it just allows us to kind of melt into a very open-hearted present, like, well, I don't know, but I'm here. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, I even look back on certain things which I thought were really positive events in my life. For example, say, uh, being on Oprah a bunch in the 90s. At the time, I thought that was great. But if I look back, that really set me back a bit spiritually because I started to develop an ego. I started to get really busy. So, you know, at the time I thought, oh, this is a really good thing. And then looking back now, I can say maybe that wasn't such a good thing. Or when I was a child, uh, my stepfather used to sometimes hit me. At the time, I thought that was a terrible thing. But looking back, I can now say that was a really good thing because that got me looking into things like meditation at age 11. You know, so the fact that we are always judging things, oh, this is good or this is bad. That's different than humility because that pretends like we know what is good or bad. And in reality, we don't because we don't know the future. Right. And every single thing that happens to us without exception is an opportunity to look inside and look for our true nature, which is in that which notices our experience as opposed to the content of our experience or the actual experience or ideas about it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, before the podcast, we were talking about what are the assumptions or beliefs we have that underpin our lack of humility, call it. And uh, I, I think that's an interesting list. One is that we're in control of stuff. You know, I mean, imagine an ant thinking, yeah, I'm in control of this thing. And then, you know, uh, a bulldozer comes by and the whole ant hill is, you know, done you know, the ant can think whatever it wants, but it doesn't have a lot of control. And, and we often think like we're in control and that keeps us from humility. And then there's um, that we even create our thoughts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If I was in control of my thoughts, Brian, I might tell them to shut the hell up. And, uh, but obviously I'm not in control of them. 
That's right. We think we are. We think, I think this thoughts. But if you really look at thoughts and notice them, they just, they come unbidden. They're not something I, the person created. They're like, they're like the dreams that, 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 that enter us when we're asleep. We don't plan them. We don't decide what they are. They just right. arrive. So if we're not in control of the externals and if we're not in control of our thoughts, that should make you feel humble right away. Absolutely. And, you know, I, and are we the doer of anything? Do we actually do anything? I mean, if you go to radical humility, you, you see that we, we, that things occur, things arise, events happen, but there is no doer. We think it's us that, that does it. Things happen and we think we decided to do it and we made it happen. But in radical humility, we give up that idea and just notice what arises we're we're just uh coming along for the ride and it the the reality or the universe is doing its thing and uh we don't really have much say about it yeah and someone said to me the other day i can't remember who it was but he said he said you know i don't pay attention to either praise or blame Mm -hmm. so when people tell him how wonderful he is he sort of takes that with a grain of salt and rolls off his back and when people tell him he messed up takes that with a grain of salt lets it roll off his back i'm pretty good at doing that based on on some work with my old teacher in a lot of years and after a while you know you just kind of get to a point where you look at the world more impersonally like if somebody thinks something is good about me i didn't do it you know my my entire life led to a nice trade or dna or my parents you know it's not like i made myself intelligent <laughs> right that's right and the same is true for negative things i don't take that so personally you know um what let's see what's a negative trait about me i'm very impatient you know it's not like i chose to be impatient and i'm working at being impatient or it's just that circumstances dna my upbringing my conditioning my culture all led to that so our way of looking at the world so personally like we're in charge of it all good or bad is so far from the actuality that if you align yourself with reality, if you see things more clearly, you'll naturally be humble because we're the product of our culture, conditioning, upbringing, DNA, and all these things. That's just the way it is. That's right. I believe people pretty much do what's in their nature to do. And we have all these opinions about what they should do and what we should do. And thinking that we all have choice and we're that we decide to be the way we are and it's you know it's our nature it's ridiculous yeah but i'm so glad you brought up the fact that it's you know negative stuff as well because there, there's a a really interesting idea here that i first stumbled upon listening to a dialogue during a retreat of ajashanti's mm -hmm. and um a young man was asking him a question and he was telling Aja about something that he did 
that he was really ashamed of. And he just mm -hmm. couldn't get over this shame. And Ajit's answer really surprised me. He said, you know, that's arrogance. Mm -hmm. Why should you be the type of person who would not do such a thing? How can you see yourself as the type of person who never messes up, who never makes a mistake, who never does anything wrong or hurtful? That's, that's arrogance. And when you come to see that, then you realize that it's not just pride that makes us arrogant. It's, the, it's shame that makes us arrogant, too. And that's the opposite of humility. Yeah, great point. I remember a couple of years ago, when I had a very powerful awakening experience. I was spending the whole day in this feeling of love and openness. And then I just started to lose it and go back to more normal state of consciousness, which I found very interesting. And I started to see my first judgments of people. And I just started laughing because it struck me as so ridiculous how, how arrogant it is to judge anybody like I know what they should be doing. You know, it just struck me as hysterical. And every judgment, because judge, I mean, we judge everybody and we judge the weather, we judge politics, we judge everything. So it was striking me as so funny that there's something in me that has the arrogance to think like, I know how it all should be. And I remember that whenever I get into judgments, like, well, thank you for your opinion, mine, but you know, you have no idea what's going on. And I'm glad you thought it was funny because uh, humor is a really good tool to help with humility. Yes, it is. Uh, when especially we, when you can laugh at yourself. Exactly. When we don't take ourselves so seriously, when we see, oh, uh, there he goes again, doing that thing that uh, he didn't want to be doing. And that's there it is. Yep. And, like, yep. and, oh, you, he really wanted to control that. He really wanted not to be that way or not to feel this way. Like you sit down to meditate because you want to feel good, but instead you're in a bad mood. And when you stop and say, okay, so I'm not now peaceful. I am in a bad mood. Wow. Can I just let how I feel be exactly the way it is? And when that, when I do that, all of a sudden I start laughing. And I wasn't trying to laugh, but I just find it so funny that once again, I sat down to meditate for the purpose of controlling my experience and no dice. Yes, yes. The, the, there's a great cosmic law that prevents that from being successful. Yep. Well, let's talk about some ways people can tap into humility, uh, which already is an oxymoron that we can control that. But I have found there's certain indirect things that correspond with humility. And I think it's different for each person. But um, one of those things would be some of the things we've already talked about, that some of your assumptions about, you know, that you control your thoughts or that you control your behavior or any of that, just understanding that and seeing that or that our judgments are ridiculous because we don't know how the universe should be, all of that can help a person experience a little bit more of a humble attitude. Yeah. You know, another one, I um, sometimes 
camp out in the desert or amongst you know redwood trees in a forest and i find just being in nature that's quiet and big like that helps me to get a better sense of my place in the universe which is basically a smidgen of a grain of sand on an endless beach and and there's a good feeling to that like wow i am small and that feels relaxing versus all the things the ego is always doing to try to be big yeah i think that size can really i i think that's such a great idea i mean sort of seeing expanding your point of view to be as inclusive as possible so that in relation to everything in the universe this little being this little person is is pretty small and conversely you can go in the opposite direction and imagine yourself as made up of little tiny cells that are doing things and these cells you don't direct them you don't make them happen you don't say okay spleen do your thing these cells do what they do and this was not something i decided and i make happen Mm, good point. You know, we mentioned earlier about the being comfortable not knowing and and letting that be something that you relax into, you know, when it comes to UFOs. I don't know if they're real or not, or are vaccines going to solve COVID? I don't know. And, you know, what political party is going to make the world better? Well, I don't really know. And, you know, is it uh, is global warming, uh, I think of it as a bad thing, but maybe that'll be what brings the whole world together. You know, I don't know. So just being okay and even comfortable with not knowing. Yeah. And, and it's really tricky, though, because what, especially when you mentioned like all those things you mentioned uh, just now. Ho- hooked you somewhere, didn't Oh, I? absolutely. It's like, wait a minute. I do know. I do know that such and such is bad. I do know that such and such is effective. Yeah. I do know. And what if I don't? And, and it's something that you can do just for a moment. It's not something that you have to decide, I'm going to change my position on this forever. It's something that you can do right now in this moment. What if I didn't know? Right now, just for a minute. What if I didn't, what if my opinion wasn't right? Mm -hmm. And it's a practice that you can do without having to decide that you therefore will never take any action again on anything that needs your help, because that would be, that would be the opposite of humility too, to refuse to take any action. Right. You know, when you're called upon to help out. You know, you, you do it and you do it. And if, and if you see that, that the world is in trouble or a fellow human being is in trouble or the planet is in trouble and there's something you can do, then that's something to allow and accept as well. And you don't have to all of a sudden be rigid and say, oh, no, humility demands that I do nothing. That's a misunderstanding. Yeah, because that would mean that, you know, and you would be working against the humility again. So <laughs> exactly. It's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing to actually be with it for any length of time. The mind hates humility because it's almost like the exact opposite of the mind. 
That's right. And the mind, not believing your mind, is a step to humility because the mind, the mind is a tool to make distinctions between things. That's its purpose. That's what it does. And in actual reality, where it is simply the universal energy waving, rising and falling in temporary patterns and forms, the distinctions don't really exist in reality. Yeah, quite true. So other things that can help foster humility are, uh, I think, drugs, certain drugs, uh, usually illegal ones. But, you know, I think that they've helped me open the aperture to see that there's a lot more going on than I originally thought. And having that experience made me feel more humble. You know, uh, first time I took acid many years ago, I, you know, I kind of thought, yeah, I, as an arrogant teenager, I kind of know what the score is here. And then I, it like just reset everything. I don't know anything at this point. And, and so I think, you know, certain uh, spirit medicines or drugs can be helpful in that regard. And another thing is just the feeling of gratitude. I find that the feeling of gratitude is closely corresponded with humility for some reason. Yes, I think gratitude really is because it sort of gets you out of yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and you feel small in relation to the thing that might have bestowed something generous on you, even if it's life or a, a good moment. Right. I know I had uh, having a teacher uh, that I lived with for a lot of years. He would often point out my shortcomings. And I think just being very aware of your shortcomings, as long as it doesn't slide into shame, can be a path to humility. I suppose it can be. Um, I think it comes more in the uh, more in the department of fixing your personality. Um, and so I, I'm not. Well, we've had this argument many times. I'm not big on shortcomings. Right, right. <laughs> like, like concentrating on your shortcomings is a way of strengthening the thought-based identity, in my opinion. Well, it can be, and that's but, why. It's, it's, there you go. My opinion. I must be right. Oh my God! Maybe you're right, Jonathan. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, we're having a moment of humility. <laughs> oh. -oh. Well, you know, I'm glad that you see it my way now, Brian. <laughs> Anyways, you, you know, it's good to have a lot of paths because that path of seeing my shortcomings, I think, was helpful to me. But I saw in the same group that it seemed to be not helpful to other people. So you have to find your own unique path to humility. And, you know, we all have different DNA. We all have different places on the spiritual path and you got to find what works for you. I know one thing that I think does really apply to everyone is to feel like you're a small part of something big. And one way of doing that, of course, is to feel like my awareness is part of the big awareness, that there's really just one consciousness, one human consciousness. 
And that's one way to feel, interestingly, both big and small at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or feeling like you are a, a child of God, or even feeling like you're one part in a big organization can help you to feel humble. Yeah, it can. And when you mentioned gratitude, it reminded me of another quality that can, I think, help foster humility, which is forgiveness. Mm. Yeah, because when you're not forgiving, it's taking a lot of constriction of mind and making you feel like you are very, very right. And they wronged you and nothing will feed arrogance and a feeling of constriction like that. So being able to forgive is an act of humility. And just seeing that everybody is pretty much doing their best. Mm -hmm. Some people may be misguided in what is best, but who are you to say? You know, um, a, a quote from St. Francis, who uh, is a role model for me of humility that I, I took uh, and meant something to me is one day somebody asked, you know, realized he was meeting St. Francis on the road. And even in St. Francis' life, he became very well known. And the person said, you're St. Francis. Oh, my God. You know, and St. Francis said, you know, was being his humble self. And the guy was a little suspicious, you know, because this was the great St. Francis. And he said, well, how can you really be humble? And St. Francis said something like, if you could imagine being given the amount of gifts and opportunities God has given me and the information and all the help that I've been given and seeing how poorly I've done with all of that. <laughs> it's not false humility. Believe me, I feel very humble. <laughs> and I thought that was a good answer. And, and um, you know, when you see how much you've been given and how little we actually can love and and be the person we want to be that can help you to feel humble as well yeah absolutely but if you want to go all the way to radical humility it's not about how you are as a person it's mm -hmm. it's about the fact that you're not a person it's about the fact that none of your thoughts are true it's about the fact that your identity as a mind body personality isn't true that your sense that you actually do anything isn't true. Or that there's a you. Or that there's a you, exactly. And that, that you, that, ex that, that experience, we think it's our mind that sits inside this head, that's inside this body, and that that's us. And in radical humility, that's not the case. We are simply the universe looking at itself through this empty vessel. Mm -hmm. Well said. I'm glad you brought that up because there's kind of like psychological humility. And then there's that next step, which you called radical humility, where you realize that every conception I have about me and the universe is totally illusory and made up. And, and you have a moment where you see into the nature of reality more clearly. And that is certainly a radical way of 
knowing our actual place in the universe. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> My old teacher used to say, you're like a, we're like an ant with a briefcase, you know, going to the office, you know, and think we're very important as we do it. And, and we have no clue what's going on. And that's one of the things I like about when I read about, you know, the great physicists of our day or descriptions of quantum physics, their, their view of reality is so different than our view that it helps me to realize, yeah, I don't know what's going on. You know, I blab words, I have opinions, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully I don't take them too seriously. The reality is that we're, we're just glad that we're alive in this moment and I don't know. And that can be a really a good doorway to waking up and to actually understanding and experiencing our true nature yeah and i love the ant with the briefcase and the idea that the ant because he's carrying the briefcase feels important yes. and nothing's important well that's important to realize that nothing's yeah. important very important that's that very we important this. exactly i'm glad i'm glad our listeners are getting that message <laughs> Anyways, I, I think you're right that humor is very well. Look at the words humor and humility, they have the same, you know, start to them. Yeah, I wonder if they come from the same root. That would be interesting for you etymologists out there. Is that the right word? Right. Um, to um, look into that. Yeah. Well, any last thoughts on humility before we get a guided meditation that helps us to perhaps experience a little bit? Well, you know, I took tons of notes uh, on this episode, and I think I forgot them all. And so it was uh, very humble of you. <laughs> I think I think we'll leave it there and let the meditation speak for itself. Sounds good. Oh, and uh, just before, uh, feel free to support us at patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers, blah, blah, blah. And we really love your comments and support. And uh, take it away, Brian. Thank you. First. Close your eyes if it's safe to do so. And take an easy, deep breath and relax. In this meditation, you don't have to believe that anything I say is true. You simply have to entertain the possibility for a few moments. I'm going to be asking you to drop some ideas or let go of some things in your mind. Think of dropping or letting go as similar to having a closed fist and simply opening it. Think of some topic or situation where you feel right about something. Ask yourself, just for now, just for a few moments, can I let go of being right? Think of a situation in which you have control over something. Ask yourself, just for now, just for a few moments, can I see that I have no control over anything? That events just happen? and I'm the witness of them?
think of something that you've accomplished or created. Ask yourself, just for now, can I sense that the accomplishment or creation came through me rather than was created by me? Think of something you feel bad about having done or that you put yourself down for. Ask yourself, why do I feel that I'm the sort of person who never does anything wrong or make mistakes? Think of something that you feel someone else is doing that's wrong. Ask yourself, just for a few moments, can I let go of the idea that anyone should do anything other than what they're doing? Think about something that you feel superior to others about. Ask yourself, just for now, can I let go of the idea that anyone should be in any way other than the way they are, or that I am in any way better or different from them? Think of something that you feel you deserve. Can you let go of the idea that you deserve anything? This doesn't mean that you are undeserving or unworthy, but simply that the thought that you deserve anything is just that, a thought, and has no reality of its own. Think of your plan for your life. Just for a few moments, can you let go of any plan or idea of how your life should be and simply notice your current sensations and perceptions? Simply notice whatever you are experiencing in your body right now. Think of something you want to protect yourself from. Just for now, can you soften any internal clutching against anything that might happen or that you're afraid of happening? Just for a few moments.
Think of something you need to fix about yourself. Just for a moment, can you drop any idea that there is anything wrong with you that needs fixing? Think of something you know. Can you drop the idea that you know anything? Notice the thought you just had, or remember any thought. Just for now, can you see that you didn't create that thought? that it just entered of its own accord, unbidden? Think of how you would describe yourself. For a few moments, can you drop any description of yourself and simply notice whatever you are currently experiencing wordlessly? Think of something that you want. It could be a thing or an event or an experience. Just for a moment, can you let go of wanting to have your desires fulfilled? Even the desire for enlightenment or awakening or any particular experience whatsoever? Notice if you feel you are separate from others and the world. Can you sense that all you perceive, including other people, things in the world, and your own body, thoughts and feelings, are all appearing in one seamless field of awareness? If you had complete and utter humility, you wouldn't feel right about anything. You wouldn't feel correct about anything. You wouldn't feel superior about anything. You wouldn't feel like you could control anything. You wouldn't feel that you shouldn't have a messy life. Both praise and blame would mean nothing to you. You wouldn't even describe yourself in any way. 
you wouldn't feel separate from anything or anyone. You would see that the you that you think you are is not the real you. The real you is simply pure experiencing itself. The awareness in which all experience appears. Just be that. Now, take another nice, easy, deep breath. And at your own pace, allow your eyes to open. I feel like I just shed about 20 layers. <laughs> oh, I like the sound of that. I really like that, like an onion getting to, uh, you know, kind of like the wordless core and uh, or what you've sometimes led before the just born identity where you <laughs> right. see the world a little bit through the eyes of a child. Yeah. And it's, it's helpful to go through all those layers because there's a lot of them that are, they're always there. And only by taking them off one by one, do you realize they were on you and their add-ons are not part of, of our true nature. They're, they're part of our culture. They're part of our ego. They're part of our conditioning. So it's nice to uh, just, I feel lighter and just, you know, freer. Oh, I like the layer analogy. Yeah. Peel that onion. Peel that onion. Yeah. We'll call the podcast Onion Explorers. Onion Explorers. When I was in college, we used to call the student union the student onion. Uh huh. So peel that onion so that you can experience union. Ooh, we're poets besides explorers. <laughs> anyways uh good exploration uh if you think this is helpful for your friends or family or those people you know who still think they're right about stuff you know force <laughs> them to listen to this <laughs> oh, and uh hopefully that will make for a better world and thanks for giving us your time and attention until next time keep exploring keep exploring Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.